What is up, everybody? It is your favorite show back on the airwaves. Or not really. It's, we're on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. We're not on airwaves, uh, but yes. kind of. Well, we got a long way <laughs> to long get way there. To <laughs> um, I know you like the intro music, though. You're going to hear that same music again at the end of the show. Um, I'm filming from a different location today. Peyton is in his normal spot. Yep. Uh, you are listening to Diamonds and Hash Marks. This is episode three. We made it. We made it to three episodes. We Look at us. I know. We escaped our first week. Yeah. Somehow we said, let's keep doing this. Uh, yeah. Our audience grew uh, a little bit after we started posting on social media. We're in the double digits now. Let's go. Uh, I'm, yeah, I'm pumped. Uh, it's exciting. Already, already a lot better than I thought we were going to do. I thought we were going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel. Um, <laughs> but just in case you're new here, I am your host and producer, Alex Pichardo, and... I have the co-host, Peyton Pichardo. Yeah, so um, if you've never listened before, uh, here's your final hint that we are brothers. Um, and actually, we're your favorite set of brothers uh, covering... As it says in the description. Yes. <laughs> um, speaking of yeah. um, the description, we are your favorite set of brothers covering football and baseball, hence the name Diamonds and Hash Marks. Mm-hmm. Whatever platform you're listening on, Spotify or uh, Apple Podcasts, please go ahead, write a review. Um, if it's positive, it's if it's a negative review, we don't want to hear it, quite frankly. Um, but five-star reviews are helpful. It, it helps the show. Um, whatever the algorithm is, starts pushing our show out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, really helps us out when you guys do that. Um, if you're listening on Spotify, uh, please pay attention to the questions that I ask because I get to ask those questions. I get to ask you guys to take part in a poll or, or, or I ask the question, what did you think about this episode? And, and that's important feedba- uh, feedback because we do want to interact with you guys. And uh, we're actually going to take one of our fans' suggestions into account today when we're talking football. Um, yeah. I'll let you guys know when we get there, but uh, we, we really are for the people. So we're going to cover something we ordinarily wouldn't uh yeah. later today but um man how are you feeling i'm excited i'm excited episode man. three episode three we're uh we're getting to cracking um we made it through the first week we're now on week two uh chemistry's building uh between yeah. us i think as well which is great um and uh we could just go at this uh and uh have some fun with it man so i'm excited yeah. Um, so normally we would cover baseball first and then we would cover football, um, or at least until baseball season ended, but we watched that first week of college football. Um, and we are just so eager to talk football that that's what we're going to do for uh, first today. Um, pay attention to the show notes, um, because we will throw that timestamp in there for you. Um, if you're a baseball only listener, we'll let you know when that starts in case you just don't want to listen to any of our takes regarding football whatsoever. (laughs) Um, last thing, right before we get started, I'm almost done running through everything. Uh, <laughs> I want to shout out our brother podcast once again, What's Up Doc, uh, run by Nick Dockweiler, uh, John Michael, and Dan Driscoll. They do a phenomenal job over there. Um, they're covering football right now as well. Um, I think that's what their most recent episode talks about. If not, then that's on me. I should have listened, should have looked at it before I said something. But um, if you like us, Go check them out because they do something similar, um, but they go a little um, a little more broad than we do. So odds yeah, are you'll find yeah. exactly <laughs> what you're looking for there if you don't like what we have here. Yeah. Um, but that being said, let's go ahead and jump into it. 
Let's start uh, where the week started with uh, the Gator game um, at Utah. Uh, And we had picks for that game. We both said the Gators uh, were going to cover the spread, which they did not. And I think we both picked the under. Yes, Um, we did, I think. I'm not, I didn't go and look to see whether or not the under hit. Gotcha. Uh, But that was horrendous. And I know Gator fans everywhere are kind of freaking out because of how that game went. The it, under did hit, by the way. I just okay, learned. all right, cool. So we got that. So halfway. both of us, yeah, we both <laughs> went one for two. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that Gator game was yeah. something special. Um, and I was texting back and forth with a couple buddies as the game was going on, uh, just because, uh, like, I I have my own opinion about how things are going. He has yeah. his own opinion about how things are going. He's been a Gator fan a lot longer than I have. Um, I think just just because I really started following them when I uh, started living in Gainesville. But he's been living in right. Gainesville his whole life. So his opinions are a little bit different than mine. Um, they're, uh, in some aspects, still very similar with each other. Um, I thought it was a mess. He thought it was a mess. Um, so really... I, I know that you didn't watch the game as closely as, as I did, but correct, yeah. L- when you looked at the final score the next day, what were your thoughts? Did you have any thoughts? Um, yeah, I looked at it. Um, I think the day after, I think on Friday, I was like looking through, like uh, scrolling through. Um, I think it was uh, Twitter. Um, I looked at the final score, twenty four eleven, and I'm just like. I didn't think I like go like going into the season. I think I didn't think Florida was gonna like do like terrible. I thought they were like at least gonna hold their own against Utah. Utah's a great team. Like let's not yeah. like discredit that at all. Like they're they're ranked number fourteen for a reason. Yeah. Um, but I was expecting it to be closer. Um, I was expecting that that would at least be down by a touchdown, a field goal, like at least a one score game. But no. Um, yeah. Yeah. You were uh, you were right uh, right on the nose when you were saying that it was just like a, a poorly played game. From yeah. what, what I'm what I'm looking at, um, seems like in the third quarter, just like things weren't going their way. It was twenty four to three. Um, oh, it was it was crazy. So, yeah. if I were to break down the game a little bit further, and I probably should for the listeners out there, sure. I think what we saw was a, a young team that hadn't really played together go on the road um, and oh, really figure out. Okay, yeah. So I was in Utah, and they really, I think they figured out that. Uh, Utah is a really good team and that Utah is very loud for the first time. It felt like they found out that it was a hostile environment day of game instead Mm. of knowing that prior to. So I was a little upset when I think there were several different instances, uh, I think two or three separate times where it was a third and one or a third and two critical third down conversion is needed. But there's a false start penalty and it's not from a freshman. It, it was from somebody who's uh, played at Alabama or, or somebody who has played before. So it's not the yeah. person you're expecting the penalty to come from. But I thought there were multiple instances of a very poorly timed penalty mm, costing yeah. us the opportunity to convert on third down. And I think Utah's first play of the game went 75 yards to the house. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, very quickly we had, <laughs> Uh, a three and out on offense after missing an opportunity to convert on third down because of a bad false start penalty. 
to being down seven zero, getting the ball back and trying to start all over again. So yeah, it was it was rough from the beginning. Now the third quarter was something special. In the third quarter, we had 108 yards of offense, and Utah had 12. But somehow, Utah scored seven, and we didn't score at all. That's how backwards the third quarter was. What Going for world? it on fourth and eight, I think it was, or there was a, an attempt to convert on fourth down in the third quarter, yeah. which was not what I wanted to see. If you're trying to convert a fourth down opportunity in the third yeah. quarter, you're probably already in a bad spot. Um, but right, then right, right. as the game progressed, like, yeah, it's a young team. Uh, I think there were some communication issues because at one point we had two number threes on the field. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think also there was just no urgency. I found myself watching this game very late uh, mm-hmm. in the evening uh, because we had the ball. We had an opportunity to get a score up on the board. But I think it took us eight minutes to drive down the field to put it up there. Like, I think yeah. at one point you got to look at the clock and you got to know oh, we, we need to speed this up. We need to hurry to the line. We need to get the ball snapped, run another play. Yeah, you um, got to set a tempo early. Yeah. That's what's going to set everything else um, up for uh, success. Yeah. So I agree so with I, that. I, yeah, I think that's where we missed there. Um, so I, I clearly thought that the Gators were going to win going into week one, and yeah. they did not. So something that we want to do right now is we want to uh, do a Gator prediction. Um, for their schedule. We're going to pull yeah. up their schedule, and we're just going to kind of go back and forth um, Sounds good. Yeah. on on what we think. So um, clearly we're both 0-1 at this point. We both yeah. thought that they were going to win. Uh, yeah. That Week 2 game is a home game against McNeese State. Yeah, I see that. Two yeah. weeks ago, I would have said this is easy. That's an easy win. Yeah. Today... After losing to Utah the way we did, as ineffective as we were. Oh, gosh. Man, I'm questioning this game. No, so. McNeese, though. I know. We okay. got three games. Yeah. McNeese State, Tennessee, and Charlotte at mm. home. I think looking at these next three games, you have to win two of them. Yeah. I think so. I think you're yeah. right. And I think we're going to win the McNeese State game. And I think we're going to win the Charlotte game. And we're going to lose to Tennessee. You're going to lose to Tennessee. Yeah. So two and two. Two and two. But then that's the problem is that then you go to Kentucky. Who has had the Gators number in recent years. They have. Yeah. So I think, I think at that point you're two and three. Yeah. You're two and three. Kentucky Kentucky's a good squad. Uh, I've been watching them uh, this, uh, these past couple of years. Um, uh, the coaching that they have there, I forget his name. I, I I have a problem, I think, with this podcast, we're remembering coaches' names. So yeah, let me that just seems to that. be yeah your flaw um, so far. It seems to be my flaw, and I will try to be better in that. But um, no, um, oh no, uh, it's Stoops, uh, Stoops' brother, uh, Bob Stoops' brother, I think. Okay, all right, um, cool. What's his first name? Great, couldn't tell you, Mark. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, um. No, so uh, I've been I've been watching Kentucky uh, because uh, we have some Kentucky fans down here in Fort Myers that I'm good friends with that uh, that I've uh, been uh, over for a couple of games. Um, so yeah, it's it's two and three. Go yeah, two and that. three at that point in the year. Yeah, but then you're playing a home game against Vanderbilt, and that's one you got to have. You got to beat up on the little guys. That, that that's one you got to have though. But Vanderbilt is starting season two and zero. They're already two and zero in the season. So 
If yeah. they're if they're walking in like gosh, so what would that be at the time? Like five and zero, four and zero. Yeah, but they're that's scary train. to think. That's scary to think that you could lose a home game to a team that doesn't have a finished football stadium. Wow. Yeah. Clearly, <laughs> they don't take football as seriously as we do, and, no, and it's scary to think that we could walk out of that with a yeah. loss. So, if anything, for my sake, to baseball school. So. Baseball school. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> three and three. Right. Uh, on the road, South Carolina. That's another loss. I know. And yeah. it, it, the the quarterback's name isn't uh, Spencer, Spencer Strider. It's Spencer Rattler, right? Yeah. I, I feel like his second year there, or, mm-hmm. or I don't know, his third year. I, I second year, second year. Yeah, second year, I thought. But I don't, I don't see him losing a home game to Florida, especially if Florida's rolling in three and three at that point in the year. Yeah, you know that Columbia is going to be rocking. You know that they're going to show up and and they're going to show out. Yep. But then you're three and four, and you walk in to Florida, Georgia, a neutral site game here in Jacksonville. Yeah. And that's three and five. Yep, that's three and five. I mean, they're not beating Georgia. No. Like uh, Georgia could, Georgia could go three in a row here. Yeah, I I I fully believe that, and yes, it's it's how it is. (laughs) Yeah, that. It it went from looking amazing for Florida this year because we had an opportunity. If you win a couple games here and there, all of a sudden you find yourself in the AP top 10, AP top five, something like that, uh, and, and you're rolling right along. But yeah. after that showing at Utah, suddenly I find myself uh, struggling to see how we finish above 500. Yeah. Because, because after that, it's home against Arkansas. Yeah, SEC. Yeah, and that's a hard game. Arkansas hard historically game. has run a very good yeah. spread offense, air raid style, mm-hmm. uh, just flying around the field, lots of fast guys. And and I I know for a fact that we have a very young uh, defensive core, especially uh, the DBs and the safeties are concerned. I think we got a couple freshmen out there, so that'll yeah. be interesting to watch. Um, I don't want to say loss for that, so I'll say win for my sake. Okay, because I'm yeah. looking at the future and I see. At LSU, November 11th, loss. Yep. As much as I dislike Brian Kelly, I can't discount what LSU has done in the past mm-hmm. and what LSU is expected to do this year, despite their loss to FSU last night. Right. Now, we could revisit this here in like two or three weeks, and I could say, hold on a minute. I know I said loss, but I think we got a shot. But I don't yeah. see that happening right now. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, but then it's home. Um no, it's it's actually away. It's away, an away yeah, game yeah. at Missouri. You have to win that. Yep. That's another Vanderbilt game. That's Missouri, <laughs> SEC. But they don't bring anything to the table as far as SEC is concerned. Yep. And so you have to win that game. But then it's a home game to finish the year at Florida State. And after what we just watched Florida State do to LSU last night, I yeah. see that being a very easy loss. And yep. then we finish the year under 500. So yeah, I totally agree with that. Uh, Florida State looked strong out there uh, last night. Uh, I remember looking at the score. I was off doing something. I can't remember exactly what I was doing, but I was off doing something. I was check, just checking the score, seeing how they're doing. It was seven seven, and yeah. I was just like, okay, like and they're keeping it fourteen fourteen, and yeah. then it was seventeen fourteen. LSU going in a half, and and then they FSU like took off. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into that here in a little bit. We'll talk about that game when we're talking about Colorado, but. I do want yeah. to touch on this real quick is I don't want to be the show that after one game walks in here to record on a Monday and says, Billy Napier's on the hot seat. He's, he's got to be gone. But that's what I'm saying. I don't want to be that, that show that does that. 
Oh However, if he finishes this year under 500, especially after what happened last year, looking yeah. at his timetable, he's in year two. And I understand typically you give guys three, four years to get their recruits in there to start yeah. winning some games, start letting their philosophy take over. And, and like after you, you move on from the Dan Mullen years, I don't want to be that show that walks in here and does that. But yeah. with the way that the transfer portal works, you have an opportunity to get your guys in there earlier. This is the team that that he kind of put together. Yeah. And that was a, a rough showing. And if you fail to to finish the year above five hundred, I think I think you're gonna see a lot of people calling for his job. Yeah. So I guess that last question I have for you before before we move on to to other games is do you think Billy Napier survives the year at Florida? Um I say yes. I say he survives the year. Um, wait, what are, we, what are we saying? It's his second year, right? Yeah. Because last year was his first. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So second year, he's got to get his recruits in. I totally agree with that. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm on the Billy Napier train of he's going to stay. Just got to get his guys. Got He's got to get a group together. Got a, group of, a group of guys being dudes, you know? Okay. All right. Um, so. I mean, okay. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I mean, I know you're on. We'll reevaluate. Early. We'll reevaluate. I'm sure, yeah. in, like in the next couple of weeks. But um, I'm trying real hard not to overreact here. But after <laughs> watching that game at Utah, I find yeah. it's it, that's a tough schedule, struggling. Sure. But I mean, there's always next year, mm-hmm. which is horrible to say after week one. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah. But speaking of week one, a lot more games happen than just than just the Gators. Yes, so indeed. Both of us watched that Colorado TCU game. What yeah. are your initial impressions walking out of that? Those darn Colorado Buffaloes. Yeah. My goodness. I was, was watching something. the whole entire game and I did not have any complaints. TCU and Colorado, they were battling it out. It was a close game. Uh, I think final score was 45-42. Uh, so they were battling. But man, like, I, I am on the um. How do you say, how do you say uh, uh, Dion's uh, son's first name? Uh, Sean Shandor. Shador. Sh- Shador. Shador. Yeah. Sanders. I mean, if you're throwing 500 plus yards with four touchdowns and no interceptions, and you're doing that on a constant basis with the national championship runner-up. Yeah, because he did that against not only a. Uh, an AP top 20 team, but he did that against last year's runner up. Yeah. And it's Which, not like most of that team left. Right. Yeah. Right. Agreed. Like, yeah, uh, so that was something only, special. Yeah. Only thing I could think of uh, for TCU is that they lost Max Duggan uh, to the NFL. He's on a practice squad somewhere, I think. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So I was, I, I was going uh, into it. It was, it was actually a game that I, uh, a game that stuck out to me uh, um, last week. Um, like uh, yeah, going, yeah, going into were... the Saturday, I was like, man, Hey, we, we, we got to tune into this. Like Colorado TCU, this is, this is big for Colorado to see if they yeah. can come out with a win. And they did. Um, that was yeah. helpful. I don't think without you po- uh, pointing it out that I would have watched it. But then as soon as you reminded me like coach prime, yeah. we're walking out of here with a storyline one way or another, because it's right. either coach prime's first loss or it's his first win against mm-hmm. the, the runner up. And that game was impressive. 45, 42, the final score. Yeah. Colorado walked in and put on a show. I think a lot of people would have said that they would be um, inexperienced. Their communication style uh, wouldn't, wouldn't be ironed out. They would have some uh, inefficiencies here or there, Mm -hmm. but they put on a show. 
Um, and we really watched two two guys really stick out. Um, yeah. Shador Sanders was one who I think very quickly entered the Heisman uh, oh, yeah. conversation. Heisman. Yeah. But I think a second player also entered the Heisman conversation, which is ridiculous to say. After one game, we're looking at two guys right now who prior to the year, I didn't pick them in our last episode yeah, uh, no, to be we, a dark horse yeah. to pay attention to. You didn't either. I didn't but either. you also saw Travis Hunter pop up. And all of a sudden, <sighs> I think it's entirely possible that Coach Prime's personality Mm-hmm. Mixed with Travis Hunter or Shador Sanders' actual talent will help them win the Heisman. Um, but I think they're extremely talented in their own right. And all of Very. a sudden, after one week, we're having a conversation about it. Yeah, Travis Hunter, dude. I was shocked. I knew he played both wide receiver and um, uh, quarterback. Yeah. But he's playing this at an elite level in D1. Yeah. Taking over 100 snaps in a game. And yeah. playing both both positions and doing it well. Had an interception. Um, he had over a hundred yards receiving and a touchdown uh, as well. Like that's insane to me. Like yeah. I, I I see people doing that in high school like all the time, like playing both positions and then like they're playing the whole game. But Travis Hunter is doing that in D one. Yeah, it wasn't like he's an okay receiver and an okay DB. They're right. throwing him out there. No, he's he's an elite receiver and an elite db at the same time yeah at which we're not used to seeing at this point we're used to the um to the shohei otani almost yeah. at this point yeah, in baseball right. but uh, you can't think of an nfl player off the top of your head right now that's competing at a high level as both a receiver and a db and right. travis hunter is doing that division one football against the national championship runner-up yeah and it was impressive it was very um, impressive. His interception even was impressive in the red zone. Like that was a yeah. big stop for Colorado. And I'm big looking stop. at it, and uh, with the uh, with the route that they had and the offensive scheme that TCU had, they got a guy I think cutting in and making an in route, and they have a guy like on a comeback route to the uh, uh, to the right. And um, uh, Travis uh, Travis Hunter sell uh, like sold it. He was like, uh, "Yeah, I'm yeah. far enough away. Yeah, you can you can get that throw off." Psych. Yeah. Beep got it and like go yeah. out for it and the effort was there and i was like and i i saw that happen and gus johnson on the call and him being excited i my, my jaw dropped i was like yeah because because he went from uh the quarterback from his perspective this went from an extremely safe throw we got a chance at scoring right here if he muscles yeah. through to oh colorado has the ball again yeah <laughs> it, and it was quick it, it was, was so quick. fast so, yeah, yeah that was awesome um so I'm looking at Colorado. Yeah. And we're going to try to introduce this new segment, um, which is sort of like a buy-seller hold. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to roll off two right now, but this is where we want you, the fans, to really interact with us and help us out. Yeah. Um, so in that, what did you think of this episode? You could throw in a BSH and, and just let us know what your sports hot take is. And then we're either going to buy it saying, yes, that's going to happen, or we're going to sell it. And we're going to say, no, there's no shot that happens. Or right. we're going to hold. And I don't want us to hold. I want us to be bold and, and take a stance. But holding is permitted on the show. Um, yes. So just to rattle off a couple, um, buy, sell, or hold, Colorado debuts in the AP Top 25 at rank 20 or higher. Ooh. Man, um, I am going to sell 
I think that they're not in the top twenty and uh, the top twenty and up. I think they're, I think they're definitely in the running for it. And I think some AP polls have come out and they are not in it at all. Um, but if it were me, I'm probably like thinking like close to the, like that twenty twenty five range. Like, in, okay. in, in my opinion, like they they they've proven themselves. Colorado has proven themselves to be like a really talented offense and defense, thanks yeah. to uh, Sanders and Traps Hunt. Yeah. Like, um. I, that was a really good showing, and I'm really excited for that team. I don't want to give them their flowers yet. I, okay. I don't, I, I, I don't want to be that guy and be like, yeah. oh, first game, like, this is crazy. Like, well, what we just saw is insane. Yeah. Because uh, like, they still have Colorado USC. to the moon. Yeah. At the so. end of the month, they got Oregon State. They got yeah. Utah. They got so the they got some games week. in front of them. Yeah. With okay, Matt so Rule, they got some uh, games. Starting out. Yeah, yeah. I'm on the hype train. You are. I, I would love to say bye here. Um, yeah. I think what the AP pollsters need to do is they either need to kick TC at, TCU out of the top 25 or they need to bring Colorado in yeah. and keep TCU in. Um, it's it's one of those. You can't have TCU stay in and not bring Colorado in. And right. You can't kick TCU out without bringing Colorado in, I think, in my opinion. So yeah, um, I would love to buy, but I think for this week, I'm going to have to sell, um, Yeah, which is unfortunate. I mean, thinking logically, I would sell, but my heart says buy, I think. Yeah, right. um, That's where I'm right. at, kind of. So, Yeah, second yeah. one, buy, sell, or hold. Uh, Travis Hunter finishes the year in New York as a final three Heisman finalist. Oh, buy. Okay. I like that. So that's, you're on? That's a no-brainer for me. Travis you're on the hype Hunter, train? Yeah, tra- okay. I'm, I'm on the Travis Hunter hype train. Uh, he's the top recruit in his class. Started off at Jackson State with uh, Deion Sanders. Mm-hmm. Gets a shot at D1 uh, with um, um, with Colorado. He's really, really good. <laughs> okay. All right. Like, there's no, there's so, no denying it. So. so what if I change it? Because okay, I buy that as well. What if I change it and say that uh, by seller hold, Travis Hunter wins the Heisman? Do you still think that Caleb Williams or somebody else like yeah, uh, right, yeah. Milton from Tennessee or um, – Really, just I mean, the field is still wide open. But yeah, do you think that I, someone edges him out? I think someone edges him out, so I'm going to sell. But that yeah. could change in like the uh, following weeks if Travis Hunter like keeps performing like in, in in this way and like has a game like he had at TCU at like every single game this uh, these next couple of weeks. Then that's definitely not out of the question. I think he wins it. No, like straight up. Yeah. So yeah, I think it just I has think, to take some time. I think I would buy that. Um, oh yeah, he's a final three. I'm gonna hold on that he wins because okay. I think right now, this early in the season, if we're picking Travis Hunter or the field, you're yeah. stupid if you're not picking the field. <laughs> I think this early, it's open for anybody. Yeah, but he certainly went from nobody talking about him to everybody is is aware of who this dude is now. Yeah, so that he's was impressive. Scary. He is. Scary. It was a fun weekend and. Let's not forget that FSU LSU game last night. We're just going to spend a yeah. quick amount of time on that because yeah, we got other it. things we got to get to. But I watched and was surprised. And I talked to one of my buddies who has been a Knowles fan through the years, and including those rough years, he was a Knowles fan. Yeah, and was yeah, unashamed yeah. about it. Well, I mean, there was a little shame, but yeah, he was still proud. <laughs> um, and he he said that he was surprised that they were tied at halftime, that, mm. that it was a miracle. Um, but as you kept watching, the further 
that you went uh, into the third quarter and fourth quarter, the more that you saw the FSU players want it. Mm. They wanted it so much more than the LSU players. They did. Yeah. There were multiple instances too. of an FSU guy running over an LSU guy. Mm. Like yeah. looking at, I got a safe route out of bounds or I can run you over and pick up the first. Yeah. And I felt like time and time again, they chose, I'm going to run you over. Helmet mm. down, best guy wins. Oh, yeah. look, FSU comes out on top because LSU is out of the fight already. When when was the last time that we had we have said that like uh, either uh, either of us like talking about that to anybody or to each other? I think yeah. I think with this game we 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 saw what like FSU's here. They are mm-hmm. here. They're coming. This I season. think FSU's a legit team. Yeah, and I know that we talked about it last episode. We were saying, man, I don't know. It's been a while since FSU's been ranked this high. Yeah, put up or shut up, and boy, did they put up. Yeah, they did. I felt like they they did something special that other night. They um, did. Agreed. I, I think that the body language I saw out of Brian Kelly kind of turned me off a little bit more mm. on Brian Kelly because historically I've been a guy who hasn't been Brian Kelly's biggest fan um, just because it, it almost seems like he's he's all about recruiting these guys, but when the guys that he's recruited make mistakes, it, he's the worst player he's ever recruited. Yeah. Or at least that's what the body language says to me. Like you, you can't be all about this guy that you got playing quarterback. And then when he makes a wrong read one time, have yeah. the worst body language in the world and be complaining about the guy that you recruited. Yeah. Um, right. But Brian Kelly aside, that was special. Mm-hmm. And as much as I love the Gators, you got to watch Florida state yeah. because they're coming. Those boys are excited. Yeah. My fear though, for Florida state is that they get too up here. They get too high on themselves and suddenly, yeah. You're on an emotional roller coaster going from one game to the next. No, you gotta you gotta keep working at it. You gotta keep mm-hmm. going to battle with your guys and um you, you can't take anything for granted. So yeah. As long as they stay humble and, and stay true to their process, I see them doing well. Yeah. Uh Jordan Travis really impressed me, uh impressed me this game too. Um I'm, in regards to just uh, how uh, how his passing was, uh, I could have done without the interception, obviously. But mistakes are going to happen. The defenses are uh, defenses are going to find a way to try to uh, disrupt the passing game. Uh, but no, he was he was great though. Uh, only one interception, four touchdowns, three hundred forty two yards. Um, really, uh, really was showing out, like you were saying. It was like a put up or shut up, and FSU. Yeah, boy, did they here. put up. Yeah. yeah. Um, so pay attention to those boys. Yep. We are gonna. Transition real quick over to um, a small conversation about the NFL um, and the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Cincinnati Bengals. So this is the part of the show that I was telling you guys about. We listen to the fans and we want you guys to be a part of it. We had a fan reach out to us uh, and ask us to include some Bengals content. So guess what we are going to do? Going to add some Bengals content. We're going to add some Bengals content, but we're not going to do it without talking about the Jags. So what we're going to do in this segment here is we are going to look at the Jaguars offense and we're going to look at the Bengals offense. Okay. And we're going to compare the two position by position who wins. Who's got the better guy in that slot. So let's start where every offense starts. Yeah. Quarterback. Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence. Real quick off the bat. Who do you take? If, if you're, Playing the one game, the Martians are here. They got the laser beam pointed at Earth. Who are you taking? 
I want Iguodala. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, that, um, no, that's fair. Yeah, no, um, shout out Max Kellerman. Uh, <laughs> I, man, as much as I love Trevor Lawrence, the talent level out of Joe Burrow ever since his LSU days, I feel like I cannot like pass that up. So, Joe Burrow, I'd have to say. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, think we, I think we're both in agreement there. Joe Burrow, I mean, just these past couple of years, making it to a Super Bowl, beating uh, Pat, uh, Patrick Mahomes multiple yeah. times, whether it's in the AFC Championship or um, just in a regular season game. Like, he he is about that life. Yeah, <laughs> and, and what he's done against yeah. Patrick Mahomes. Uh, yeah. All of a sudden, you're talking about Arrowhead being called Burrowhead. Right, but then... Um, that, that, doesn't happen, but, that doesn't happen if you're not a guy who goes out there and does it multiple yeah, times, you so, know? Yeah, so that dude. So I have to say, Joe Burrow. I love. I hate Trevor, it. Though. I hate yeah. it. I hate it. But I love. Give I me love two years, yeah. and then maybe my answer is different. But yeah. I think in a put up or shut up game, I have to take Joe Burrow. Yeah, I saw something today on ESPN. I don't know who made the opinion or anything like that, but I saw somebody. I think it was on Get Up. It might have been Ryan Clark. He says that Trevor Lawrence is an MVP candidate this year. Well, I, I would. Love to see that. I would love to see that too. You know, <laughs> like I, there's I just like, so many okay, dudes. Give, yes. give us some credit, but I mean, I don't see that happening. Yeah, uh, this year it's anyway. a tough thing to talk Heisman and MVP earlier in the year. Yeah. You know, I mean, NFL hasn't even started, like you're saying. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, check out Thursday night. You got Chiefs Lions. That'll be a fun one to watch. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that I can watch it. Um, uh, check out our show actually on Thursday because it will release prior to that game and you'll get to hear our picks for it. So uh, in the industry, we call that a tease. Um, <laughs> nice. Wide receiver one, Calvin Ridley, Jamar Chase. So if you're building your perfect roster and yeah. you got Joe Burrow as quarterback, who do you want wide receiver one? Yeah, I need that Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow connection. I man. know. Yeah. Well, not even just their connection. I think he's a better receiver anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah, better receiver than Ridley for sure. Um, just looking at Jamar Chase's rookie year. Um, uh, what was it? I think their year, uh, the year that they went to the Super Bowl. Um, he he really impressed me. Like he was, he, I think he like he was almost putting up like Randy Moss rookie numbers, and I'm just like, bro. What is what is this guy? Like I, I yeah. knew he was coming out of LSU, and I knew he had uh, gotten some time with Burrow. But I'm looking at that, and he's like producing the same way that he was producing in college, and um, he definitely is the better receiver. Yeah, so. of the two of them, I think you have to take Jamar Chase, and you would have to slide Calvin Ridley into that two slot, which yeah. saddens me a little bit. Um, yeah. But I think I have to agree with you, and I would have to take Joe Burrow as quarterback, and then I would have to take Jamar Chase as yeah. wide receiver. Um, so we are actually going to go ahead and take a very short break. You probably won't even notice it if you're listening. Um, but we're at the 35 mark um, and mm -hmm. as far as recording. So uh, this is something we're going to try to start doing, throwing a little intermission in there for ourselves and for our voices. So yep. um, just bear with us as we roll through this real quick. All right. Thanks for bearing with us through that quick yeah. little intermission. Um, our voices definitely thank you for that. Um, so where we left off is both of us had taken uh, Joe Burrow and wide receiver one, uh, Jamar Chase, over Trevor Lawrence and Calvin Ridley. So what we're going to do is we're going to combine that wide receiver two and three, take the better squad. Mm -hmm. um, so we're looking at 
T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd versus Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. So of those two groups, who are you taking? Ooh, you know, give me my boys, Christian Kirk and Zay Jones. Yeah. You know? It's it's tough. It's a yeah. it's very close between those two, but I think the better grouping, um, the better pairing out of those two yeah. and three that I like is uh the Christian Kirk Zay Jones. Yeah. Oh uh, man. I I loved watching them all last season. Christian Kirk more than Zay Jones, I think. But Zay Jones kinda grew on me like come playoff time during that yeah. Chargers game when he got through that uh like that long touchdown. Uh, for, I don't even know how far out, but I was just like, man, I like our future with our wide receivers. We just gotta gotta stay strong with it. But um, yeah, yeah I would t- I would take the I would take those two over um, uh, T Higgins and uh, Tyler Board. Yeah, so that leaves us with choosing the better tight end. Ooh. So, Bengals fans everywhere who listen to this, because there's only one of you, please forgive me. I don't know who your tight end is off the top of my head. Which means automatically I'm taking Evan Ingram. Give me my boy Ingram. Give me Evan Ingram. Yeah. Uh, Because you know who he is. Mm -hmm. Former New York Giants tight end who didn't exactly pan out there. Uh, In my opinion, that's due to bad coaching and a bad quarterback. Because you give him a good coach and a good quarterback. And look at what he did. He earned himself an extension. And he is possibly one of the better receiving tight ends. Yeah. That I've seen in a while. Okay. Yeah, no, um, I looked at him. Our, I looked at him. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I just wanted to point out our options for a tight end from the Bengals is Mitchell Wilcox, Irv Smith Jr., and Drew Sample. Um, I have no name recognition out of those three guys. Forgive me, but I think even if I did know who they were, I'm taking Evan Ingram. Yeah, I think still I'd take Evan Ingram. Okay. Um, no, that's fair. Yeah. Hey, Last year, Evan Ingram, I remember like going into training camp and like there were reports coming out like he he was he was missing like balls like re- like receiving wise. And Doug Peterson was like, "No, we're not gonna have that happen. Sit down, get our next tight end in." And I think that sent a message. Uh, that sent a message to Ingram. Like he he's like, "Oh wait, like I have good coaching now. Like I yeah. I, I have to live <laughs> up to this expectation." And I think that flipped the switch for him. And then like look at the season that he had last year, man. He turned it on. He did. He did. It was very impressive yeah. what he did towards the end of that year. He was always a comfortable option yep. uh, for our guy, uh, Trevor Lawrence. Um, and and he threw a couple good blocks in there for ETN as well. So um, that being said, I think the combo that you get combining uh, those two offenses, uh, you take the Jags O-line as well because the Bengals yeah. O-line has been in shambles in past years. Yep. Um, but I'm very excited about this Jag season coming up. I think it's a good offense. I'm excited to see what the Bengals do. Um, I think they have comparable offenses in the way that yeah. they operate. Um, I think as of right now, the Bengals do edge us out in talent-wise and, and yeah. in a game format do beat us, unfortunately. Yeah. And I think you think the opposite, do you? That Monday night no, game? I'm, I'm with you on that, I think. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. We'll see how that plays out. I'm excited to see what happens. Yeah. Um, hey, and you never know. We might see him in the uh, divisional playoff, or we might see him in a wild card somewhere along the road. So, yeah, we very be probably well going could. at it. Yeah. So that's all we have to talk about football uh, so far um, yeah. today. Let's talk baseball. Let's do it. 
I feel like not a lot has necessarily happened since we've had our last conversation about baseball. It's been a couple days. I know the Red Sox played a three against Kansas City and won two out of three, but man, did I want that third game so badly. Yeah. Yeah. You got to have those easy ones against the bad teams. And, and I think James Paxton blew it up and, and we just didn't look good. Um, yeah, didn't at all. But I mean, the the Sox haven't really caught my attention uh, these past couple of days, just because they're playing the Kansas City Royals, and and right. I mean, uh, we don't have many enemies on this show, uh, but we do have one, and his name is Rob Manfred. And because of Rob Manfred, I am unable to watch the next several days of Major League Baseball because the yep. Red Sox are playing Tampa. Um, so hats off to Rob. Yep. There are other storylines, however. Yes. If Rob Manfred has done nothing else uh, for baseball, he's elevated uh, the market that these players operate in and made them uh, more popular in the general sphere. One of yep. those guys' name is Ronald Acuna Jr. And he yep. has had quite the year. Yes. He's had quite the year. So he's the first player that's ever had 30 home runs and 60 stolen bases. Yeah. He's the Which... first player that enters into that... Uh, I don't know what to call it. That bracket of player. That bracket, yeah. Thirty sure. bombs and sixty stolen bases. That's incredible. I feel it's like that's of. difficult to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's but actually, it's actually unheard of. That's not yeah. just something that you're throwing out. It's something that's yeah. actually never happened before. So. Very impressive game. And the Braves played uh, a very difficult Los Angeles team and won three out of four in Los Angeles. Yeah. Acuna had a big week. Got married and joined the thirty sixty club, being the first member. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, yeah, no, it was it was it was crazy to watch. And I don't know if you saw the home run that he had, like the uh, 451 bomb, 121 off the bat, and the, the pitch hardest on the outside hit ball. Paint. Yeah, hardest hit ball in the Statcast era. Yeah, and like he, it, and it's nothing to him, and it's an, it, and it's an outside part of the plate. It's on the paint, and he just takes it dead center, and it's like the hardest hit ball yeah. in Statcast history. But it was a line drive to dead center field too. Yeah, like it had the like, line drive fade off to the side. I would have yeah, loved it, it to was have gone seen. In seconds. Yeah, gone I would have loved to have seen what that ball did going 121 miles an hour off the bat at like a 50 degree launch angle. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, but uh, instead, like in Colorado. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it would have gone 500 easy if he did. Easy. But but I, I like I'm a little disappointed that there wasn't more arc on that ball. Yeah. I but, think we missed out on something right there, but we did the first thirty sixty season first player to have sixty stolen bases. I feel like for mm. what a long time. Long I time. haven't actually yeah. checked that. You can fact check me if you want to, but I feel yeah. like he's the first player that's had sixty stolen bases in a single season in a while. I do have a question. Sure. Do you think Ronald Acuna Jr. would have had sixty stolen bases? without Ooh. the new pace of play rules and the new base sizes. Oh, man. Um, no, honestly. Um, I think really? the new pace of play rules have really opened up some um, really opened up some uh, chances for stolen bases uh, for the, with the, with the bags being bigger. And uh, you only got to throw over once. Other uh, other than that, it's uh, it's it's ball, right? For... No, you can throw over twice. Uh, but twice. if you throw over That's that right. third time, you have to get the runner out. Otherwise, they get the base. They get the base. That's right. So yeah, I mean, 
that just goes to show like pitchers are not going to be about probably they're going to be paying attention to him, obviously, but they're not going to be throwing over all the time. That gives right. them a, that they gives don't them have that jump. same luxury. Right. That gives them like a greater jump. Um, and, but like, you'll like also being like a base runner, like you, you, like you got to watch out. Like when it's like, mm-hmm. a, uh, like, cause I've seen, I think it's Corbin Burns or a Max Scherzer with runners that are on base. Like, the wizardry that they would have uh, going on in their uh, like in their minds in their baseball IQ, like they would just hold the runner, uh, hold the runners at the base, uh, like at the last second, and then like make a pickoff move and then get him out. Because yeah, the the guy uh, on the on, on the base pass is thinking, okay, he has to go home here. There's no way he's coming my way. And then the last mm-hmm. second, it's just like, oh shoot, like he's gonna get me here. So yeah, I definitely think it's been a huge. Uh, a huge uh, advantage uh, uh, for the uh, new pace of play for uh, uh, stolen bases for sure. Yeah. And I think too, that um, fraction of a second that goes his way because of the new base size has also helped him because he's not, uh, he does have the occasional stolen base where he's there way ahead of the ball. Uh, But most of them are close as stolen bases are. And I think that added, fraction of a second has helped him out a lot as far as his success rate is concerned uh but i think i agree with you i don't think i think he would have stolen a lot of bases i don't know if he would have been the first 30 60 player i think we'd be talking about a 30 30 player a 30 40 uh 30 40 player Um, but the way he's been hitting home runs recently he may be the first 30 60 and the first 40 60 yeah if he has a phenomenal last month we could be talking first 40 70 that seems like a bit of a stretch, but also within the realm of possibilities. Do you think he makes Definitely. it forty seventy? I think so. I'm looking at his stats right now, man, and he's he's already six. He's already sitting at sixty three stolen bases with thirty two homers. He all he has to do is get seven stolen bases and eight homers. And where are we? We're in yeah. the like uh, first week of September, or oh, not the first week of September, or well, the first like full week of September. So I see it. I, I see that it could be done. He's just got to. Uh, he's just got to keep that power start going. Um, I have yeah. a question for you. Oh, okay. Is this the MVP season for Ronald Acuna? I don't think. Well, here, I'll say this. If this yeah. isn't an MVP season for Ronald Acuna Jr., then yeah. they need to redo the voting system. <laughs> okay, I, so he's, he's it for sure. You're saying. I don't think there is any reasonable way you could award uh, MVP to anybody else. Okay, okay. I really just don't. just wanted to throw that question um, out Now, if Otani were in the National League, then we'd be having a different conversation. But he's not. And the best National League player that... Uh, well, actually, there are two of them. Now that I'm thinking about it, they come yeah. to mind. Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts. They're on the same they're team. Both they're both having phenomenal yeah, years. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think Acuna Jr. is still having a better year. He is. I, and I, I agree think. with you. But Freddie Freeman is hitting 340 in his age 33 season or whatever it is. And Mookie wow. Betts is putting up 30 bombs next to whatever he's doing. So, I mean, both of those guys are impressive. I still yeah. take Acuna over them. You drinking mm-hmm. coffee? Hot chocolate, actually. Hot chocolate. Oh, wow. Okay. I would not have said that Fort Myers would be hot chocolate weather this time of year. Well, I had it in the pantry from the last time that I was sick because I, my voice. Was Do you drink hot on. chocolate when you're sick? Uh, yeah. Is that a problem? Uh, no. I. I wouldn't. I think that's a little weird. 
Okay. Moving on. Moving on. Um, <laughs> in our last episode, you talked about how badly you wanted to see the Cincinnati Reds uh, mm-hmm. have a good end of the year, have a good finish, um, and make it into the postseason. Yeah. And then they turned around on uh, the final day of the month uh, and claimed a couple guys off of waivers. They picked yeah. up Hunter Renfro and Harrison Bader. So how do you see that impacting uh, the NL Central? Because right now, yeah, um, they're six and a half games out of the division, yep. uh, but they're in the wild card. Sure. Um, yeah. So, man, I you know, what surprised me is I'm not really sure why the Yankees really gave up Harrison Bader like that. Right. Did they get well, anything in I think I think we're going to get to that with like our last segment of the day. So oh, don't okay. don't dive too far into that. Okay. But yeah, I mean, Harrison Bader, great talent. I probably would have kept him if I were the Yankees. Um, and probably would have placed him somewhere else other than I, I think his primary position was center field, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I probably would have put outfield. I, Outfield, yeah. So I probably would have placed him somewhere else, uh, and or either had him in the lineup because I think he was having like pretty, like not like a, a great year for the mm-hmm. Yankees, but like he was he was putting up uh, decent numbers. So yeah, not um, the not the Harrison Bader that they expected him to be when they got yeah. him from the Cardinals, but still a guy that you could depend on to be in the lineup when he was healthy and to Correct. put up a difficult at bat here and there. Yeah. Um, but but I think the the best thing he did for the Yankees and I'm a Yankee hater is that he brought the strongest jawline New York has ever seen to the team. <laughs> that's, now that's they wild. also added Hunter Renfro, who is Mike Trout's twin. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you think uh, he helps them out? You know, um, I don't quite see it. I don't think helping them out um, in the long run. I, so like yeah, a short term pickup that like that a short term pop in the lineup when they need it. Yeah, when they need it. Like I mean, okay. I mean, when uh, when he was on waiver wire for the Angels, I knew like he had like a home run or like hit a bomb or whatever. I think we talked about that last yeah. episode. But um, yeah, uh, he's 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 gonna be like a, it's a short term pickup. I, I think probably since it's waiver, it's probably like the last year of his contract. He probably only signed like a one year deal, maybe. I don't even know. Yeah. Something. But um, yeah. So like it's a little pickup, and they're probably expecting something out of him, but. I don't, yeah. I don't. I don't see much. Is what I'm saying. I guess. Yeah. I see. I, I see something are... with Harrison Bader, but I don't see. Yeah. 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 I could see that, but I. I do think these are two pickups that, when they're both playing their best and they're both reaching the top of their potential, yeah. The outfield dynamic in Cincinnati totally changes. Okay. Yeah. Um. I think if they both continue to perform the way they have the past couple of years, uh, not reaching their top potential, I don't think it helps Cincinnati all that much. Yeah. I, I think it helps them get over the hump and make the playoffs, but I don't think they give Cincinnati that deep run that the fans have been wanting for a while. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Agreed. Um. Now Hunter Runfro came from the Los Angeles Angels, and yeah. they had a fire sale. Um of players that they placed on waivers and, and tried sure. to outright to AAA. Among them were Lucas Giolito, um, Matt Moore? Matt Moore, yeah. Matt Moore was, yeah. So Lucas Giolito, Matt Moore, and Reynaldo Lopez were all mm-hmm. from the Los Angeles Angels. Yeah. Uh, Angels, And they all went to the same club. Now, ironically, this club, um, I don't see making the playoffs, but after this move, suddenly I think they have a shot. Uh, 
The Cleveland Guardians are only five games out. The AL Central is incredibly weak, and the best team there is Minnesota, who's only five games over 500. They're sitting at a cool 71-66 and today. Definitely an an opportunity to run them down. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. I think the Noah Syndergaard experiment in Cleveland is over because mm-hmm. they've already uh, put put him on waivers, or I, I forgot what happened to him actually. Yeah, because I forgot the, what happened to him. which is crazy to say, because I think two or three years ago we needed to know where Noah Syndergaard was going to wind up, but now we're sitting here like he's a non-factor, right? Uh, yeah. So that's sad. But I think the pickups of Lucas Giolito, Matt Moore, and Reynaldo Lopez really help out Cleveland's starting pitching. Obviously, yeah. doesn't help out their offense because they're all pitchers. Uh, right. So that's kind of redundant <laughs> what I just said, but uh, definitely an upgrade. And suddenly I see Agreed. them possibly running down Minnesota. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I um, agree with everything that you say there. Uh, if, if anything, the only thing that sticks out to me is uh, Giolito's got to turn it around. Yeah, um, he, like he struggled uh, for the Angels, like uh, when the Angels picked him up um, uh, during the trade deadline. Like absolutely struggled. Like I remember, like seeing it. I like uh, uh, see him getting blasted over Twitter about it. So, yeah. um, he has to turn it around. Um, but uh, with the uh, with the help of Renato Lopez and the Matt Moore, um, yeah, you're totally right. I totally uh, see the Guardians maybe making a push for it. Um, and uh. Minnesota, Minnesota's a good team, but uh, I feel like if the Guardians can get it together with Jose Ramirez and their guys, and they can uh, they can get something going this September, I definitely don't rule it out. Yeah. Um, so the news around Cleveland started to indicate something in late August, um, early September. Um, so very recently, that this could possibly be Terry Francona's last year. Yeah. Um, and he's done so much for the game of baseball. He's been around so really long. Has. He was there when Boston ended their uh, 86-year streak. He, he's yeah. really helped Cleveland in this weird stage of trying to turn around um, what they had. Mm. Do you think it's at all possible that the front office looked at what they had, got a message from Terry? whether or not it's through the news or through a back channel and heard Mm -hmm. that this could be his last year and then decided, you know what? If it's this guy's last year, we need to pull out all the stops. Mm. Do you think that happened behind closed doors or or do you think Cleveland was making these moves regardless? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Also a little fun fact about Terry. Um, He was the manager for the uh, Birmingham, Ten Barons, I think I said that right. When Michael Jordan was playing. Is Birmingham ten a city? I don't know. I think I, it's just Birmingham. Birmingham? Okay. You threw an extra syllable on there. I did. I Birmingham? Okay. Birmingham Birminghamton? I have no idea. Uh the Birmingham Barons, um, when uh, Michael Jordan was playing baseball for yeah. a, a short little time. But anyway, uh, to answer your question. Um yeah, uh, I think this was something uh, done behind closed doors. Because um, if if Terry's going into the front office and saying, "Hey, this is possibly looking like my last uh, my last year," um, then if, I, if I'm the Guardians, I'm just gonna be like, "Okay, if it's just, if it's this last year, then we're gonna start making uh, some moves to uh, further um, further help out our organization, help out our club." Yeah, yeah, I see. I think I see that being the case. Yeah. Now, 
it, I think it would be smart for any team to pick up those three guys just to see what would happen. If you're five games out, I think that's the best move to make. Yeah. However, I think getting that message from Terry um, would kind of help the front office make the decision, okay, we're not just a 66 and 71 team yeah. uh, playing out the rest of the year, trying to see what we have. Uh, no, we're going for it um, because we're only five games out. If I'm yeah. Minnesota, I'm nervous. Yeah. I totally agree yeah. with that. That's good. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's transition into a little bit of immaculate grid, um, a little bit of that conversation. Let's do it. Um, yeah. This is something that we're trying to do. I wish I could figure out how to share my screen. Yeah. Um, but also not lose everything to. I'm looking at. Yeah. Uh, so today, um, along the top row, you got the Chicago White Sox, the Seattle Mariners, and a 100-plus RBI season. Okay. Along the left-hand side of the row, you got the Chicago Cubs, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and the Detroit Tigers. All right. So I look at that top left corner, Chicago White Sox and Chicago Cubs. Yeah. Several players come to mind. Sure. For me, it's a debate over who has the lower rarity score. Yeah. Is it Edwin Jackson or Craig Kimbrell? Ooh. I, I would say Edwin Jackson just because he's played for like almost every single club. Uh, okay. Man. So when I plug in Edwin Jackson here, he gives me a rarity score of 5%. All right, you, I'll plug in Craig, uh, Craig Kimbrell on my end. Okay. I'm interested to see because I know Kimbrell was a lesser known uh, player on the White Sox so when you, he was there. So you there. said five percent, five percent for Edwin Jackson. Craig Kimbrell eleven percent. So Edwin Jackson wins that one. Okay, so we were right the first time. Should have yeah. stuck there. I'm um, looking oh, at oh yeah, go ahead. I'm looking at that bottom left there, that, that Chicago White Sox and uh, Detroit Tigers. First player that comes to mind, Maglio Ordonez. Ooh, wow, that's a throwback name. Throwback name, man. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so nice. I'll, I'll throw that one right there. Um, man, I don't even know what the rarity score would be. Oh, 34%. So, like, almost everybody was thinking that one, probably. So, yeah. Okay. So, that middle one, Seattle and Los Angeles. Yeah. Adrian Beltre. Oh, wow. Let's see Look what that rarity score is. Yeah. Because he started his career out in uh, the Dodgers. 1998 to 2018. Oh, 33%. So it's kind of high. Clearly, I'm not the only one that's thought of that. That's wild, though. Huh. Yeah. Okay. Anyway. Um, yeah. Man, okay. So now... Oh, I'm looking at that. Well, actually, I don't know if he was on Seattle. Who? It was Kerry Wood on Seattle. Or was he Cleveland? No, 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 no. I think Kerry Wood was Chicago Cubs the entire time. I don't want to look, I'll look it up reference. on baseball reference right You're now. You're going to? Okay, okay. Yeah, I got you. All right, so Kerry Wood. It's, it's either it's either Seattle or it's uh Cleveland. I can't remember. Cuz I knew he I you, knew he You really think Cubs. he played for more than just the Cubs? He went to the Cubs and then went to another team and then back to the Cubs. I'm pretty sure. Oh, wow. You may know more than me. All I right, think. let's see about this. Oh, wow. No, okay. All right, so he was a Chicago Cub up until 2009? 2009? Then he was okay. with Cleveland. Jeez. Then he was with New York in 2010 and back to the Cubs in 2011. 
I didn't know he was in New York. Okay, so that's the he. So that's him. When he was in New York, he made twenty four appearances. Huh. And had an ERA of point six nine. That's oh. incredible. Okay, that's actually All right, incredible. moving on. Okay, moving on. Yeah. Um, okay. So that um, those um those hundred plus RBI. Yeah, seasons, let's go through those. I find interesting. So. I feel like for Detroit, okay. it's obvious. Miguel Cabrera. Okay, Miguel Cabrera, yeah, but I'm thinking Prince Fielder. Okay, I'll plug his name in. You'll plug Let's in Prince see. Fielder's name? Yeah, yeah, I'll go ahead and do that. So, I'll, yeah, I'll do Miggy. he qualifies 6%. He's wearing the Milwaukee hat in that. Oh, wow. Uh, Miguel, uh, 42%. Okay. So you were, you were better than I was. Los okay. Angeles, I'm going to throw in... Um, Andre Ethier. Ooh, that's a good one. I like that one. But I don't know if he ever had a hundred RBI season. Oh, I, know, RBI. And... I would say, oh, he qualifies three percent. Wow, three percent. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm gonna throw. Yeah, last one. Chicago Cubs. What you got? So, oh, Chicago Cubs batting. Yeah, hundred plus <laughs> RBI season. I mean. <laughs> I know it's a simple one, but I, I, I want to try to find something else other than the one that we're all thinking. Um, what, Javi Baez? Chris Bryant, no, Anthony no, Rizzo? Sammy Sosa. Oh. Yeah, yeah, clearly the one we're all thinking. Okay, sorry. <laughs> I guess not. All right, so... <laughs> so either Sammy I threw Sosa a name or Chris in there, Bryant. And it what, worked. What'd you throw in there? I got a 3% rarity score on mine. His name is Alfonso Soriano. Oh my gosh! Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'll throw down. I'll throw down uh, Sammy Sosa then. Dang. Okay. What's his rarity Sammy. score? His rarity score is nineteen percent. Okay, so I'm better than you. Yeah. At Pretty least good. when it comes to which Chicago Cub has a hundred plus RBI season. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's so fun. that was fun. Um, yeah. We got five. So if we had a section on immaculate grid. That had the New York Yankees uh, paired with uh, the most hype we've ever seen for our prospect. The name that I would put in there would be Jason Dominguez. Yeah. I feel like the guy has the most hype. Either that or uh, Derek Jeter. Yeah, but I don't, I mean, I wasn't alive, but I don't think Derek Jeter had the hype in AAA. Or in double A. Or as a 19-year-old, 18-year-old when he signed with the organization. But the Martian is here. Mm. I've listened to Yankees fans for the past four or five years as he's been working his way up through their system. Talk up this kid that has the sweetest switch hitting swing um, that, that hits every ball in sight and hits it a mile. I'm like, well, actually, if he could do that, he'd be in the bigs. But because he can't, he's in the minors. So I don't know about it. Yeah. But he's here. He, he was a New York September call-up, which I actually think is entirely connected to why they let Harrison Bader go, by the way. Yeah. So that's why I think we that's why they let him go. Yeah, it's because they were, they were planning on calling up the Martian just to see what they have. If you yeah. don't know at this point, the Martian is Jason Dominguez's nickname. Yes. And so sitting here as a Red Sox fan, September 4th, knowing that the Martian is here, 
Seeing that he went deep for his first MLB hit, opposite field two off of Verlander. Verlander, yeah. Which, okay, so let's set uh, team affiliation aside. Let so the logo that's on both of our hats doesn't matter at the moment. How cool is that? <laughs> Your first Major League Baseball hit comes off a yeah. current, uh, well, actually not current Hall of Famer, but a definite Hall of Famer, yeah. Justin yeah. Verlander. You take a ninety whatever mile an hour fastball opposite field, um, and, and place it in the seats in Houston. Yeah, how cool is that? I that's think really I would cool. pass out running the bases. Yeah. I, like if that were me, I would have a hard time believing that. Yeah, no, agreed. Uh, Verlander with the illustrious career that he's had in the span of uh, the, the teams that he's been on, man. Um, and just the overall dominance that he's been able uh, to have just uh, with any anybody that uh, comes up to the plate. And to have a young guy in Jason Dominguez just come up here and be like, okay, like... It doesn't matter if he's a Hall of Famer. Hall of Famer or not, then I'm still going to find a pitch to hit, and I'm going to uh, crank it over the fence. And um, I'm going to run these bases, and I'm probably not even going to remember me running these bases, but I'm going to remember oh, this yeah. moment. Yeah, you know yeah. That, that he was running on clouds right there. Like He was. I, I doubt he remembers any second of him running around the bases. And oh, he man. probably wishes he could, but I the adrenaline rush after doing that, I'm sure, is, is crazy. Yeah, Okay. Agreed. Red Sox logo back out. Okay. Team affiliation now coursing through my veins. Huh. How are you feeling about the fact that he's here? Yeah. And so far up to this point has shown <laughs> that he at least belongs a seat at the table. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I'm looking at him. He's a young talent that uh, New York has that um, they're just going to they're just going to use um to the uh to the best of their ability they're gonna throw him out in center field right that's his primary position center field no 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 <laughs> yeah so i i'm pretty sure he's outfield so we're gonna throw him out in the outfield and i'm looking at his red Sox, and we do got some young talent but it's not yeah. the martian right that's I, we don't <laughs> have cool nicknames for willier abreu or and yeah sedane rafaela or rafaela yeah. sorry yeah. or Whatever that other guy's name is. David Hamilton, that we optioned down. Oh, no. So that was crazy. We we filmed an entire episode and talked about September call-ups, and Peyton throws David Hamilton's name out there. The next day, Peyton texts me, and it shows me the transaction log of the Red Sox sending David Hamilton back down because Willier Abreu came back. Yeah. So I was very glad that we didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about him, but yeah. life comes at you fast. It comes at you fast. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. But... Yeah, I think obviously they're going to use him and they're going to give the guy every opportunity. And I'm sure they hope that they can avoid having to send him back down to AAA at any point and that they could just keep him with the big league roster as long as as long as he's willing to be a New York Yankee. Yeah. But sitting here as a Red Sox fan, I I am intrigued a mm. little bit just because I think the last time they had a prospect who came up and, and tore the league apart, his name was Gary Sanchez. And oh, yeah. I was nervous for, oh gosh, a year, I think a year or two. I was watching yeah. Gary Sanchez tear up the league and take guys like Chris Sale and David Price and uh, Drew Pomeranz yard. Yeah. And I thought he was going to terrorize Boston for a long time. Turns yeah. out his rhinoceros brother 
Aaron Judge was the one who's currently tearing the league apart, who, after yeah. missing as much time as he did, uh, has still managed to put up a 30 home run season. Yeah, which is... So he's terrorizing the league. But yeah, the Martian has me nervous. Yep. If I'm being totally honest, mm-hmm. which I, I shoot for, at least when it comes to the Boston Red Sox, I, I yeah. don't like having conversations with delirious fans, so I'm not going to be delirious myself. Yeah. The Martian has me nervous. <laughs> yep. Agreed. Agree on all right. that, man. So, man, we covered a lot today. We did? We Yeah, we talked a lot. My voice hurts. Mine too. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I got some hot chocolate in me, so I guess <laughs> yeah. all that You terrible. got that hot chocolate. <laughs> we did, yeah. All right. So, um, we appreciate you listening this far. If you have, please pay attention. Uh, to the uh, show notes. Yeah. Um, of course, that does you no good at this point in the show. So I don't know why I brought it up. What I do need to bring up, though, is uh, our brother podcast, What's Up Doc, mm-hmm. run by Nick Dockweiler, um, where you can catch Dan Driscoll um, and delirious Steelers fan John Michael um, on the call over there. <laughs> Look, I'm I'm going to reach out to John Michael. We're going to see if we can get him on this show the week that the Jags and the Steelers talked because he he's talking up a storm over there. Oh man, not necessarily about the Jags, but I mean they have a policy over there as far as fan bias is concerned. So he's he's more than within his right to talk up the Steelers yeah. as much as he is. But yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't mind. Yeah. So go check them out. Um, yeah, please do. Okay. Yeah, give them a five-star review. Give us a five-star review. Um, please pay attention to those questions um, on yeah. Spotify if you're listening on Spotify. We appreciate your feedback. Um, I don't know if more Bengals content is coming. Depends on if somebody asks for it. Yep. Um, but we did cover it a little bit today, and we want to interact with you, the fans. So five-star reviews help. Um, answering questions help. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, at uh, Diamond Hashmark. Uh, mm. Give us a retweet. Um, Vote in a poll, because I threw a poll out there. Um, not many people voted on it, but um, it appeared it appeared to me that most of the fans out there seem to think that the A's uh, or the Royals have had a worse year than the Angels, which I disagree with, um, but that's okay, because this is a civil <laughs> discussion. Right. Um, so, for the final time today, I'm Alex Pichardo. And I'm Payne Pichardo. This is Diamonds and Hashmarks. We appreciate you listening. Peace! It's still running.